twice today. I should have it right. Merry Christmas. Third time. Charm, right? I want to welcome you today. My name is Mark Adams. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thanks for celebrating the birth of our Savior Jesus. Uh, We know that we have a lot of guests, a lot of uh, visitors today. We do this every Sunday. So if you don't have a church home, come back next Sunday and join us. And if there's anything that we can do to help you figure out if this is uh, maybe a church home for you, you can stop at the Connections desk out in the foyer. You can find someone with a name tag and ask them any questions. The first of the year is always a great time to start going to church again. And so we're going to start a new preaching series uh, with uh, January. And so we're excited about what 2018 has for us. All right, so white noise. You know what it is? Yeah, what does it sound like? Right. It's this special noise. It's, it's designed to hide background noises, right? So it's oftentimes used for sleeping purposes, like with a, a little baby or like a 48-year-old man. And you can buy machines that make white noise. Uh, there's dozens of apps where you can download and have white noise on your phone. Uh, And so, don't judge me, but I sleep with white noise every night. So, I have, it's called, uh, I always forget the name of it, Relaxed Melodies. I choose the oscillating fan option, and I turn it up as loud as I can, and I place it on my nightstand next to my bed at night so that, honestly, to drown out the background noises or sometimes to drown out the silence so that I can go to sleep and stay asleep, so that I can fall asleep and not wake up. I see about a dozen heads shaking like I'm not the only weirdo in the room. Now, here's the deal. I think, in many ways, the Christmas chaos and even the biblical account of the first Christmas story can become white noise. Kind of a noise to the degree that we We don't hear the real Christmas story anymore. We don't hear it when it's being told or when it's being talked about or even when it's being read from Scripture. And the reason that this is important is that I think this room is full of people who have heard the Christmas story or parts of the Christmas story so many times that it's just become noise. And we miss the beauty of it. And we're no longer wowed by the Christmas story. Let me ask you, have you been lulled to sleep this year by the Christmas noise? My hope is, is that for the next few minutes, we can turn it off, we can dial it down, so that together we can hear, really hear uh, the miracle of Christmas. So here's what I want you to walk away with today. Here's the main idea. All right, you ready? The impossible is made possible by the impossible. Did you catch that? The impossible is made possible by the impossible. Something absolutely impossible is going to be made possible by something impossible. That's going to make sense, I promise. Just stick with me. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. Verse 26. If you've got one of the black Bibles in the seats near you, I think it's page 856. Again, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, and it says, 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So what we have is we have the angel Gabriel who is delivering the Christmas story for the very first time. And guess who she tells the very first Christmas story to? She tells it to Mary. We know from this passage and other passages in Scripture and some of the things we know about that culture at the time that Mary was most likely a teenage girl, somewhere around the age of 15. And she was betrothed to a man, to a guy named Joseph. She wasn't married to him yet. She was, it was like an extended engagement. A betrothed person might betrothed for a year plus time. And she was from a podunk town named Nazareth. Notice how Gabriel addresses her, though. This is the messenger from God. This is the messenger of God. And he comes to her and he says, O favored one. The root word for that, that word, favored one, is the same root word for the word grace. Basically, what this is saying is that Mary had done nothing to deserve to be the first one to hear the Christmas story. This was actually a gift from God, a miracle that God would talk to anyone, much less a teenage girl from nowhere. Don't let the white noise drown that out. That God in His kindness, and God in His mercy, God in His grace has spoken. That He actually would talk to someone, that He would speak to someone. And He spoke to Mary. That in and of itself is a miracle. Verse 30, it says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor. There it is again. It's that same concept that, that she didn't deserve this, but God was extending grace to her. And it goes on and says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. These three verses right here are the miracle of Christmas. This is the what of Christmas. Gabriel basically says, Mary, you're going to have a son. Now let me tell you in three sentences who this son is going to be. Let me tell you the what of Christmas. First, you're going to name your son Jesus. The word Jesus, the name Jesus literally means Savior. He says, Mary, your son is going to be a savior. Your son will be the savior of sinners. What do saviors do? They save. Mary, this is who your son is going to be, and this is what your son is going to do. Second, he says, Mary, your son will also be great. His name, his name is Jesus, but he's going to be called son of the most high. She would have understood this to mean that her son, Jesus, was going to be God himself. He would be divine and man at the same time. And then Gabriel says to Mary, and finally, your son, he's going to live forever. 
He is the Messiah. He's the one that God promised to send a long time ago. That is who your son will be. He's the chosen one who will fulfill the long-time promise of a king to come and reign on the throne of David. Notice all of the king language here. The idea of a throne, a reign, a kingdom, the word king. And twice the angel tells Mary that Jesus, her son, is going to live forever. That his kingdom will have no end. So in summary, Gabriel says, Mary, you're going to have a kid. You're going to have a little boy. His name is Jesus because he's going to save sinners He's going to be God himself, and he will live forever. Verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? It's a great question, right? It's a really thoughtful question. It stands in complete contrast to her cousin Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, who also was told that he's going to have a child even though his wife is barren. And he began to ask questions, but he asked questions out of unbelief. She's asking questions trying to figure out, what is Gabriel actually telling me? And she's, she's basically saying, okay, before you keep talking about who this child is going to be, you're going to need to explain to me how this is going to happen. She's like, I'm still a virgin. Uh, I'm not married. I've never had sex with my husband and, or anyone else for that matter. So how is this going to happen? Before we continue with the what of Christmas, you're going to have to explain the how of Christmas. Before you continue with this incredibly impossible miracle, you're going to have to explain to me how is this going to happen? Because what you're saying to me, Gabriel, seems impossible. In other words... Mary's saying, how is this impossible thing going to be possible? What impossible thing do you have going on in your life right now? Like, what's causing you in your own life to think or feel, mm, that seems impossible? Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In one sentence, the angel explains to Mary the how of Christmas, the how this impossible thing was going to be made possible. He says that the Holy Spirit is going to make this happen. He says, you're going to become pregnant by the miraculous work of God. It's what's referred to as the immaculate conception, the virgin birth. It's absolutely mysterious. It's completely beautiful and it is supernatural. It is a, a miracle. Gabriel said to Mary, the impossible, that is, Jesus, the Savior, who's got himself and who will live forever and reign forever, he's going to become a baby by a supernatural act of God in the womb of an unknown teenage girl. The impossible is going to be made possible possible by the impossible. He told her the, the how behind the what. It goes on, it says, therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, 
For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. Gabriel goes on to explain to Mary that a husband was not needed for this son to be conceived because this baby is going to be born not just a holy man, but the holy man, the holy one. The Most High will become a child. The God of the universe will become a radically vulnerable little baby. The Lord of heaven and earth is going to become completely dependent completely needy as an infant child. Jesus is going to entrust his life into the hands of people. Even knowing that it was going to be at the hands of people that he would eventually lose his life. This would have actually been an impossibility for Mary. Talking to an angel, she had a category for that. Supernatural, Miracles, she had a category for that. But what she did not, what a Jewish person would not have had a category for was this idea that God would become a man. But Jesus was going to break through that barrier and holiness itself was going to be born. My guess is that some of you are in here this afternoon and you have your own set of barriers. You have your own preconceived ideas of what could happen or can't happen, or what's possible and what's impossible. Preconceived ideas about miracles and God becoming a man. And that is precisely why the angel told Mary that nothing is impossible with God. He told her that the impossible was going to be made possible by way of the impossible. The Lord who sent the baby was the baby himself. The Lord who sent the baby was the baby himself. And Mary, listen to this, this is how she responds, says in verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your words. And the angel departed her. Mary had two responses. One was, she said, I'm a servant of the Lord. And two, she said, may it be to me according to your word. She responded in humility by saying, I am a servant. And she responded in submission by saying, may it be to me according to your word. I think Mary knew to some degree what was ahead for her. She didn't know everything, but she knew that being an unwed, pregnant teenage girl in this culture was going to come with some issues. And even still, she says, I take my hands off my life, and I'm going to follow you no matter what. Interestingly, she did this before she even knew what her son was going to do for her some 30 years later at the cross. She said, I know it's probably going to cost me everything, but I'm going to take my hands off of my life, and I'm going to trust you totally. You know what's amazing is that her son, Jesus, did the same exact thing in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. He's there praying to the Father. And he says, if there's any other way to do this, let's do that. But if not, then Father, your will be done, not my will be done. He said, I'm going to take my hands off of my life. 
for the sake of love, for the sake of saving people like you and I. See, Mary needed to be saved. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Mary needed to be saved just like you need to be saved and like I need to be saved. And every other person who's ever been born needs to be saved, to be rescued from ourselves and from the evil in the world around us. See, Mary did not get a free pass just because she was Jesus's mom. She couldn't pull the do you know who I am card. She couldn't use the, you know, moms, you do this. I carried you for nine months as leverage. She, just like everyone else, needed to be saved. She needed to be rescued. She needed to be forgiven. She needed to be made right spiritually with God. Biologically, was she connected to Jesus? Yes. Was she blood-related to Him? Yes. But spiritually, she was separated. See, this is the beauty of the Christmas miracle. There are some of you here tonight who are facing some things in life that just feel and look impossible. Some of you have a wayward child. Some of you actually have a wayward parent. Maybe you're facing a financial situation where when you do the math, things don't add up and you have no idea how this is going to actually work out. Maybe you're beginning to think that you're going to feel depressed and in the fog for the rest of your life. Maybe there are wounds and hurts and brokenness and loss in your life that is so deep and so thick that you think it's impossible to actually press through it and get to the other side. Maybe you're facing an impossible health situation. Maybe you're in a relationship where reconciliation just seems absolutely impossible. Maybe you're walking through life with so much guilt that you have pushed down just below the surface, and you're sensing the impossibility of keeping it down much longer, or you've been crushed under the weight of shame because of something you've done or something that was done to you, and you don't think it's possible that you could ever feel any different. Friends, God is so not okay with the impossibilities in your life. He is so not okay with those things that seem impossible in your life to the degree that he actually did something about it. He did the impossible. He came near to us. He initiated coming to us. He came as an infant savior. He came as the great God made man, or more specifically, the great God made a little bitty baby boy. He came as a vulnerable, needy, dependent king who will reign forever. God is so not okay with the impossibilities in your life that he did the impossible to make possible the impossible. He sent Jesus to make it possible that we could have a relationship with God. He sent Jesus to make it possible that we could be forgiven and have freedom and hope and peace and purpose and eternal life. So please, please don't let the white noise of Christmas drown the truth and the beauty of the gospel out tonight. Salvation is totally by grace. Christmas is a story of how God broke into creation to save sinners, which he did by doing the impossible. 
he became a human in the womb of a virgin. May we be like Mary as we respond to the Christmas story tonight. May we respond in humility by actually receiving the story, not just ignoring it, not discounting it or denying it, but in humility receiving it. May we respond in humility by recognizing that we need something that we can't do for ourselves. And may we respond in submission, taking our hands off of our lives and trusting Him completely with everything, including every impossibility in your life. Friends, the Christmas story is about a miracle. It is about God making the impossible possible by way of the impossible. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the Christmas story. Thank you for the beauty of it. Thank you for the miracle of it. Thank you that you came to us and you did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. You sent Jesus to be born as a little baby that that was completely dependent and needy on the care of humans. And then we turned around and we killed him. But God, we thank you that Jesus is bigger than death, that he's bigger than sin, and that he's bigger than anything we face that seems impossible. And so we celebrate tonight, much like Mary did in her response to the angel. We celebrate in humility, we celebrate in submission, and we celebrate in worship. And we pray all these things, Jesus, in your name, amen.